ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. What up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's uh, Joe George. I'm Jeremy Branham. Josh Chevy behind the glass filling in. Uh, no blankers today. Uh, what do we What do we think of Joe George's What Up H Town? Hey, how we doing? It's not my best. Well, how did you feel about it? Not my best. Not my best. You can do better than that. I'm sure I can. I'll get more opportunities down the road. What is your ceiling to What Up H Town? Hey, how we doing? My is it ceiling? a high ceiling? Ah, uh, it's like a middle floor. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of it, Josh? Okay, two thumbs up. Josh is uh, he's a fan. Josh was a big fan of the What Up H Town. Hey, how we doing? We asked Josh if he wanted to do it today. He said the microphone in the production room is broken. Oh, <laughs> creative! He might be he might be selling the bit. I think he's selling it. He's selling it that the uh, the mic is broken. How are we, Houston? Everybody good? Everybody have a good July Fourth week? Uh, an extended weekend. I felt like we had two weekends with no Saturday Sunday, obviously, and then Monday Tuesday felt like another Saturday Sunday. Yeah, it was weird. It felt like two different weekends. Yeah, I, it feel like I've been gone for a long time. I haven't seen you guys in so long. It has been and a minute. Joel's still not here. It has been a minute. You know what I love about four-day weekends? Three-day work weeks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> We're starting our week on a Wednesday. I can get used to this. Yeah, it's great. I can get used to this. Uh, it was uh, good times for the Astros, too. They go into Arlington and show that they are still the kings of Texas. The Rangers, best offense in baseball, this division lead. The Astros don't have Jordan. The Astros don't have Framber Valdez pitching the, the series because it looks like they want to hold him back for the All-Star game, which is a different conversation, maybe for a different day. But the Astros go into Arlington and knock them off. Three out of the four games. They beat the Rockies yesterday. They're trying to go for the mini two-game sweep against Colorado today. First pitch at 3.05. Uh, a good good extended weekend, good holiday weekend for the Houston Astros as we start our good, bad, and ugly when it comes to the local nine. Uh, frankly, just the team was good. They played really good baseball over the, last, over the last weekend since the last time we did a show together. The team collectively played great baseball. They went in to Arlington, and took care of business. To win that series 3-1, to one, to be three games back in the division, of course, I'm the idiot on the show, Jeremy, who said, I'm not sure the Astros are going to win the division right now, and then they do that, and I look like a big old moron, even though they're still three games back. But just the team collectively had a great weekend, and you honestly couldn't ask for more, especially when you have guys like Javier who weren't at their best. You lost Altuve. I guess that was after the Rangers weekend. But they still just keep getting it done with the leftovers, basically. All these guys who are not expected to be heavy contributors to this team have been consistently, and it continued over the weekend. Like, you honestly can't ask for more. There's so much good to talk about. The Astros with the win yesterday, they've won four of their last five in these two series. The Astros are now above 500 since the Jordan Alvarez injury. They're 12-11 and 11 since Jordan Alvarez was injured with the oblique, and maybe he's back soon. We'll see. Uh, but if you go above 500 without Jordan Alvarez, that is a huge victory for the Houston Astros. You're, you're obviously holding your breath when it comes to Jose Altuve, but so much good to take from this. First off, I think the message that you send to the Rangers was, was pretty imperative, too, because I think that the Rangers going into that series felt really good about themselves, as they should, to be quite honest, 
you know, the best offense in baseball entering that series. A pitching staff, a starting rotation that has been exceeding expectations. You make the trade for Aroldis Chapman during the series. So the Rangers should be proud of what they've done to that point. That was something. And we saw him twice, and he was really good uh, in two of those, although Jose Altuve had another base hit off of of Aroldis Chapman because Altuve, as we all know, is Aroldis Chapman's father. But the way that you win the series with the Rangers feeling, you know, high and mighty, with the Astros without Jordan, without Fromber, I think that the way you won on Monday, too, kind of demoralizes the Rangers even more. Like, you don't want to win that way. You don't want to blow a big lead. You don't want Christian Javier. More on the bat in a minute. You don't want to, you don't want to blow a lead ever. But the fact that you did and the Rangers were three outs away from evening the series and feeling like they stole a series split. And then you hang up a few runs in the ninth inning to just pull it right out of their hands. I feel like that's more of a demoralizing loss for the Rangers than it would have been if you just won 10-2. to two. Yeah, absolutely, because the Rangers thought they had it in the bag. They thought, okay, we're going to come out of this series 2-2. We're going to be at four games. We still have plenty of time to, to pad this lead throughout the season. And look, that was a huge comeback. It was a disaster for the Astros for about an hour and a half. The That graph they put out there of win percentage or win probability – it looked like someone that was like dying because it was going up and down and all over the place. But for the Astros to get that win, I think demoralizing is just the best way to put it because it showed the Rangers that they still can't really hang. That even though they have a lead right now, that at the end of the day, the Astros are still the class of this division. That without Alvarez and Altuve in the lineup together, that with three starting pitchers out for the season or out for long periods of time without Michael Brantley, and having no one there in that spot, yeah, that you're only three games up. Like you could have walked away with a nine-game division lead if you swept the Astros mm-hmm. over the weekend, and instead it's three games. And like that game, honestly, it might be one of those moments where we look back on the season, like where did things turn around for the Astros? Where did things fall apart for the Rangers? It honestly might be that game. Yeah, because you demoralize them. You you really do. Because going into that series, Rangers feel proud, and then the Astros go into Arlington, not at their best, and take three or four from Texas. Like They, they have to be looking down at the Astros in the standings like, just a matter of time now. Just a matter of time before the daddies pass us in the American League West. This season has felt snake bit. And this is this is kind of one of the goods. Maybe it's me being overly optimistic, being a glass half full guy that I always am because I'm super positive all the time. The Astros feel snake bit all year. Like we've talked about yep. this throughout the course of the year. Michael Brantley, you brought up. Good chance we don't ever see Michael Brantley again in an Astros uniform. Lance McCullers, uh, Jose Arquini, Luis Garcia, Jordan Alvarez, Jose Altuve. You mentioned Jordan and Altuve playing in the same lineup. Uh, Chandler Rome reading some of his stuff over the, the, the break. They've only been in the same lineup 13 times. Jordan Alvarez and Jose Altuve have been in the same lineup 13 times this season. We're in the second half of the year. The Astros have played over 81 games, 86 games before today. First pitch, 305. They've been in the lineup 13 times. So Altuve's injury, Jordan's injuries, all of this, it feels like you've been incredibly snake bit all year long. And this is a good and a bad. But the Astros, with all of those injuries, if the season were to end today, they are tied for the second-best wild card in the American League with the Yankees, a two-game lead on Toronto. And they're only three games back from Texas. So, like, the positive is you've been able to sustain all the injuries. You're still you're still in a pretty good spot. And that if you get Jordan and Altuve healthy at the same time, maybe it is late August, who knows? It feels like your ceiling is still very, very high the pessimistic viewpoint when it comes to that is, but you got to get all those guys back at the same yeah. time. And you hope it's all back 
at least back in time for the playoffs or for like that final stretch. But the other thing, I mentioned the wild card that is kind of a good from the weekend, is that while you haven't gained like a ton of ground, but going into the weekend, you looked at the, the wild card race, and the, the Blue Jays and the Angels were both a half game back or a game back of the Astros. Now the Angels are four games back of the, the Orioles. They're, what, two games back of you, I believe, in the wild card spot, three games back. And what that allows you, if you're the Astros, is just extra cushion. Like Even though the division's not yours right now, you are starting to separate yourself very quickly with the wild card spot. And the, the Angels fell apart this weekend. Mike Trout got hurt. Otani got hurt. Yeah. Rendon left. Like, they're falling apart quick. The Blue Jays now two games back. Like, that's just another positive that, yes, you gain ground on the Blue Jays. We've also started to slowly build ground on the wild card spot and just, like, making your your playoff situation hopefully more secure. Yeah. What else good do, do you have from the Astros weekend? Or uh, Chaz McCormick. Weekend? Chaz McCormick is a stud. He it's It should be over. <laughs> it's not because he's not in the lineup today. Yeah. Chas McCormick, we had, we on Friday we talked about like who's the most likely to get traded, and I threw out the idea of maybe it's Chaz because if they're not going to play him all the time, and Dusty prefers the other guys, like maybe Chas McCormick has the most trade value. I would never trade Chas McCormick. I would play Chas McCormick every single day. Dusty won't, for whatever reason. Yeah. And Chaz, offensively and defensively, was incredible this entire weekend, and it's just it should be over. Like yeah. it, it should be over that Chaz McCormick is your starting center fielder six days a week, five if there's only six games, play Chaz McCormick. It's not that hard. He's better than Jake Myers. He's better than Corey Jokes. He's makes your lineup better. Sarge, who covers uh, Houston sports, he's, he had a video out. I can't remember, out. Was it yesterday or was it? I don't know if it was yesterday or today, but it was, uh, a, it was a video of Dusty Baker addressing the streak that that uh, that Chaz McCormick is on. It was before today's game. So this was yes this had to have been yesterday, before yesterday's game. Here was Dusty, I guess, hinting to the rumors that he does not love Chaz McCormick. Some people think I don't like him. That was Dusty. Some people say I don't like him. And then he would go on to say, like, I don't know where he got that from. And then he's kind of like looking who I'm assuming that it was Chandler Chandler. Rome in that direction. (laughs) But you you don't see Rome on Sarge's video. But I'm just going to guess that he was looking at Chandler Rome whenever Dusty said, I don't know where you got that from. But then we we see the lineup today for the 305 wink wink first pitch. And Chaz McCormick's not in the lineup. Because, like, (laughs) he's not in the lineup. Because one of my goods also is just. I really liked the lineup construction this weekend. Like, even though Pena was out with a, a stiff neck or whatever was causing his At issues, at least he didn't have to go home. Like Jordan Alvarez had to leave Tampa Bay when he had his stiff neck. It, it's just stiff I, neck costs you a week if you're the Astros. It does, and, and and I learned this weekend. I don't know what plateau means. Apparently, it means you level off. <laughs> what does that mean in regards to an injury? I don't think it's good. <laughs> I don't think it's good either. But then I heard Dana Brown say he shut. Michael Brantley shut down for like three days. Yeah, let's uh, let's get to our bad and ugly. A couple more goods, too. What is your good? What is your bad? What is your ugly from the Astros weekend? Seven one Extended weekend. 713-780-ESPN, the HRP listener line. 713-780-3776. We're on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. He's at Joe George Radio. I'm at Jeremy Branham. No Joel today. Why is Joel not here? 713-780-3776. We'll read the best uh, answers on the air. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. 
ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Is it football season yet? Every time I call the game, you call the business. And every time I call the business, you call the game. I want some team spirit. All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. 6941, uh, you said the Astros are on at 3 p.m. twice. No, 305. Uh, he says my info said 1 p.m. Don't don't trust anything you see at Astros.com. Don't trust the app. Don't trust MLB.com. Don't trust any of those times that you're seeing on the Internet. Welcome to the show. Trust the Killer Bee. Killer Bee I mean, will look, tell we you are, that it starts at 3 We are growing quickly. So maybe we have to like re-explain to people. Well, that that we know that it starts at one ten, and we're telling you three oh five, so that you stay tuned to the Killer Bees. Yeah. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. Couldn't be that. There's no way it's that. My I mean, sources tell me that the roof is stuck. It literally will not open. Uh, this is the That's most the issue. Text tweets and and Twitch comments we've ever gotten doing that since I joined the show. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's a it's, it's a bit much. Six six seven zero Blankers is not in today because he's still recovering emotionally from from the uh, contract. The Rockets gave out this weekend. We'll get to that. Uh, why is Joel out today? 713-780-3776. We'll read the uh, the best of these on the air. We already have a pretty good cue built up here. A couple more goods, because there's a lot of good. The Ashes and playing good baseball. They go into Arlington, and they beat up on the Rangers. They beat up on the Rangers, the best offense in all of Major League Baseball. They're only three games back. They carry that over. I thought yesterday the Astros were going to lose. Not going to lie. You have Brandon Belak on the mound. We know that the Astros are notorious for like a letdown game after a big series win anybody remember them getting swept at Oakland last year after sweeping the Yankees in a doubleheader and then going into Seattle for their Super Bowl and sweeping them and then they got swept by the Oakland A's I did not have good expectations of the Astros yesterday they proved me wrong which leads to another one of my good somebody owes Brandon Belak a steak dinner he's the timeliness of that like like not only was it an impressive outing because the the outing was impressive for a Brandon Belak who had been hit around in his previous starts gets out of trouble escapes jams had a career high four walks and just induces double play after double play it's bizarre watching him pitch it's like you, the, it, you think that the dam's going to break at any single moment but he figure out figures out a way to get out of things and he did that yesterday so the start was already great yesterday for Brandon Belak but the timeliness of doing it when the bullpen has been battered and bruised Brandon Belak, super good for his start yesterday. Uh, Dubin as well. Yeah, he was pretty his he was start, solid. Like four innings? Four innings is more than I thought he was going to go to. Like, that's what's carried the Astros this year is that it's unsung heroes. It just, it, it's just it's more of where the season really, and I think it's going to end differently. Um, and maybe it'll be better. But it just reminds me so much of 2020. Because in 2020, you have JV go down the first day. Alvarez gets hurt. And then all these guys start coming up. Luis Garcia, who had never pitched in, what, double-A before? All of a sudden, he was in the majors. Christian Javier was impactful right away. Like, what happened in 2020 is now happening again in 2023, where guys that, like, you never would have had any expectation for going into the season, you're hopeful that Brandon Belak can get you through a two-week stretch, that Renault Blanco can do a spot start here or there, that J.P. France can maybe get you through a different two-week stretch. Instead, these guys have come up, and when the Astros have needed them the most, they just keep performing. And for Dubin and Belak to do that this weekend in some of the biggest series of the season, it was just super impressive. Yeah. Well, what else do you have for the good for the Astros before we have to bring up? We can't ignore in victory what we wouldn't in defeat. Um, Jose Abreu, man. 
Somebody just sent me Jose Abreu's stat because I posted on Twitter at Jeremy Branham. I posted on Twitter the Astros records since short on injury twelve and eleven, and somebody sent me these stats. I haven't double checked them, but I, I believe these numbers are correct. I don't know why I had this blind belief, but I do. People are good. Uh, Jose Abreu since Jordan went down three ten average, three forty on base, seven ninety eight slugging. Add it all up at nine thirty two OPS in a one fifty three win uh, WRC plus. What is that? Win runs created? I think so. I think that's what it is. It's a good offensive number, though. 932 OPS and Jordan went down. Very, very good. The Astros, that uh, the Jose Abreu the Astros got the first two months of the season was a joke. It was a abomination. Weighted runs created. And it? when you look at his career, we talked about this a lot. Like, you know, I, watching him more than most, because I'm not a White Sox fan, but I'm from Chicago. You know that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jose Abreu starts slow. Well, maybe at 36, it takes two months to warm up instead of one month. Because, like, this Jose Abreu for June is a game changer. Because now you think about that it goes back to the ifs. If Altuve, when he gets healthy, when Jordan Alvarez gets healthy, I'm done with the Michael Brantley thing. But if this is the Jose Abreu you get with those two guys back in the lineup, the Astros lineup is so dangerous. Because it's everything you wanted from Yuli last year and the reason you moved on from Yuli. Because for how long do we talk about? Yuli Gurriel has three home runs. Jose Abreu has none. Well, guess what? Jose Abreu has seven. Yuli Gurriel has three. <laughs> he hasn't hit one basically since Jose Abreu started playing good baseball again. So Abreu also has just been an all-time turnaround over the last month. It looks like it can be a very good signing. And we were just... Super negative about a new player for two months. Yeah, I mean, we had we everybody had, had reason to. I mean, he was reason. he was abysmal, and he's in his late thirties. And, and even with Jose Abreu being really really good, and I hope this Jose Abreu continues, and I have reason to believe that it will. He still has a six fifty OPS for the season, so it's like not perfect. It's but. great this June that he's had outstanding. I hope what he's done this summer continues for the rest of the season. Do I expect it to continue for the rest of the season? I think it's somewhere in the middle, but I think we're going to see a quality offensive player for the rest of the season. You still look at the full body of work for Jose Abreu in two thousand twenty three. It's still below average for a first baseman, and quite below average for a first baseman. Hopefully, we he just continues this, and we never talk about the first two months of Jose Abreu as a Houston Astro. But I've seen people like, "Oh, you owe Jeff Bagwell an apology." Like, not Santa does it. I think I think we, he does it in jest. I mean, he tweeted us a minute ago. Oh, did he really apologize to GM I, Jeff Bagwell? I think he does it in jest. But if we look at the full body of work with Jose Abreu, a six fifty on uh, OPS for a first baseman is abysmal. Like, so if you add it all up, not good. June, July, he's been fantastic. And he's picked up this team since Jordan Alvarez got hurt, which makes everybody in the city love Jose Abreu. We all hope that he continues it. But full body of work, it hasn't been so good for Jose Abreu, which includes Jeff Bagwell. Secondly, some people just want to put the Rafael Montero contract on Jim Crane. And then thirdly, Michael Brantley. Like, how can we how can we be apologizing for Jeff Bagwell when we're talking about a six fifty OPS first baseman? We're talking about a Rafael Montero who I've defended who has an ERA north of seven. And when they signed Michael Brantley to a fifteen million dollar deal, Jeff Bagwell thought he was gonna be ready on opening day, and we don't think he's going to play again this season. So why are we apologizing to Jeff Bagwell? I will apologize to Jeff Bagwell when Rafael Montero's ERA goes below five. Michael Brantley appears in a baseball game. Uh, just just appear. <laughs> uh, shows up. Just have an at-bat. Uh, speeches don't count in the World Series. When he has an at-bat for the team, Montero was below a five. 
and a Braves OPS is above 700. Yeah. Once all three of those things are happening at one time, I will issue a public apology. I will not speak for Jeremy. I will definitely never, ever speak for Joel Blank. But I will apologize if those three things ever happen. That's where I'm at. You and I are on the same page when it comes to like this Bagwell apology tour. It's like, well, you apologize. You had a good June, July. I, good. I hope, I hope I do have to apologize someday. But it's not right now. When a Brady has a 650 OPS in the season, Brantley can't play in a game. And Bagwell swore to That's what annoys me about that. Bagwell swore to us. I mean, didn't swear to us. But he said that he was going to be ready by opening day. Yeah, he was just so wrong. He just didn't know what he was talking about. Very clearly, like he didn't have... All the knowledge in front of him. I remember when Dustin took over. That's the problem. No, I know. That's the problem. Jeff Bagwell's career was cut short because of labrum surgery. 100%. Michael Brantley is coming off of, wait for it, labrum surgery. He, of all people, should know. Like, what are we doing here? Great question. (laughs) Like, you had labrum surgery, could never recover from it, but Michael Brantley is going to be ready for opening day. Uh, the other thing, other good I have from the weekend, it's been, it's not just a weekend thing. I think I saw you put this out over the last eight uh, innings pitched. Ryan Presley is not allowed to hit. Like there was yeah. a moment in time before those eight innings where he was real Ryan Stressley, <laughs> but like now it's, it's been much better and he looks locked in. That's like, the thing too is like those those nine innings over eight appearances, no hits. Not he's not given up an earned run. It came off the heels of a blown save. And I think two blown saves, actually. Yeah. So, like, he's turned it around. And people were calling for his job. Oh, you know, demote Ryan Presley. should no longer be the closure of this team. What does Ryan Presley do? Nine no-hit innings. What's up? Like, it's cool to see him bounce back in that way, which he's kind of notorious for doing. A couple of other goods before we, we flip the conversation to the negatives. Um, well, we mentioned Brandon Belak. I love that Jose Altuve, literally the first pitch of the Rangers series, like, it set the tone. And Altuve didn't have a great series other than, like, that leadoff at bat, and then get the fourth game, he was fine. But he started the series with the first pitch as a home run, and it like set the tone that the Astros are the Rangers' daddy. They take three or four. The first pitch of this critical series, Altuve hits a dong. It's why first he's like, pitch. Well, it's why I think I really do think there is no argument when you look statistically. I know he's not there with Biggio and Bagwell and some of these other guys long term. Yeah, but just like in terms of actual career achievements. It, that adds to the legacy of why Jose Altuve to me is the greatest Astros player of all time because you need that guy in that moment to set the tone, and he just does in a way that like very few people in baseball can. Like honestly, he's really one of probably two. Like I give him and Kyle Schwarber as leadoff guys. Like in a big moment, like gonna hit a dong. Like it's those are the two guys I'd bet on. Like, you need it, it's Altuve. He has the moments. The only thing that Bagwell and Biggio have on him is, are the counting stats. For sure. Because Altuve has the moments, he has the accolades, he has the championships, and just to set the tone was amazing. And then, of course, I have to mention Corey Jolks go Cougs because I'm a over-the-top Cougar homer. 12 games for Corey Jolks, 378 batting average, 451 on base. Like, Corey Jolks has turned into an offensive weapon. It's nice to see go Cougs, especially for a player who was literally rejected by every, not just the Astros, every Major League Baseball team in the Rule 5 draft this past winter. 713-780-ESPN. What is your good? What is your bad? What is your ugly from the Astros weekend? 713-780-3776. We'll get to ours when we return. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 now with more nougat you and Lance didn't f*** 
for a year. That's just because he dabbed all the time. Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Why is uh, why is Joel Blank out today? Joe George is in for Joel Blank. 713-780-3776. Best answers. Get read right on the air. Why is Joel Blank out today? 713-780-3776. Or on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. B. Hannon says that he's rescuing a dog. That's admirable. That's one of his most admirable traits. Lots yeah. of lots of dogs. They take care of them. They they rescue them. I, I love that about Joel. It's a good thing. I don't think that's why he's out today, though. I, I heard it's because it's like, what's that that's saying? If you can't say nice things, don't say anything at all. Oh. It was coming off Rockets Free Agency weekend, so he's like, I'm just not going to come in. Oh, was that the subject? <laughs> it's just like Rockets Free Agency and not uh, other things? Not the birthday cake oh, prank okay. from Friday. All right. Uh, 6941 for your information. AT&T Sportsnet pregame comes on at 1230. Yeah, we're watching it now. And game starts at 3.05. I understand. 713-780-ESPN. HRP listener line. 713-780-3776. Lamont on Twitter. He says, uh, what I fear about Brantley now. Look, this is one of the bads. Uh, Michael Brantley plateaued. Shut down for three to five days. Here's what's scary about Michael Brantley. Michael Brantley got shut down three to five days for what? What was Michael Brantley doing? What, what was Michael Brantley doing that led to his plateau and led to him being shut down three to five days? He was taking batting practice. He's done. Michael Brantley had to be shut down three to five days for taking batting practice. Think of that. Like, what was Michael Brantley doing in rehab that forced him to shut it down three to five days? What was Michael Brantley doing with the Spacers that forced him to, you know, lead to inflammation and never make it up with the Houston Astros? He was swinging a baseball bat. Mike, what do you need to do in baseball? What does Michael Brantley need to do to be effective for this Houston Astros team? It's actually the only thing he needs to do. a baseball bat. Michael Brantley can't take batting practice for a couple of days in a row without being shut down for a few days in a row. He takes a day forward. He takes three steps back by taking batting practice. And what Lamont says is what I fear about Brantley now. The people will want him in, uh, thereby taking away from the youngins. I got nothing, Michael Brantley. They can uh, outright cut him for all I care right now. Probably don't need to cut him because there's a good chance he just doesn't come back. And yeah, then you the can collect the insurance yeah. money if there is an insurance claim on Michael Brantley. Like, I know that Dana Brown went on the, the the flagship earlier today and said they're still expecting him to get back in like August. They expect him to play in September. Who knows? Last time I checked, the trade deadline's on August 1st. Dana Brown's been talking about adding a bat. They cannot consider Michael Brantley as somebody who is going to help this Major League Baseball team. If he is by, for some miracle, all of a sudden able to swing a baseball bat by August and September, he's a, you cross that bridge when you come to it, and it's probably by nothing more than being a pinch hitter. No, Michael Brantley is a, he's a pipe dream miracle right now. Like, honestly... More likely, the Astros trade for Justin Verlander or Michael Brantley plays 30 games this season. What's that? More likely, the Astros trade for Justin Verlander or I Michael Verlander. Brantley plays 30 games this season. I think the former. Yes. Like, that's how low I think of the chances of Michael Brantley actually contributing to this team. It's not an anti-Brantley thing. It's just the reality that he keeps having these setbacks. And, and maybe this is this goes back to the Jeff Bagwell thing where it's just, he said opening day, and he was just factually incorrect. It's not the first time. When I worked at the Astros flagship, Dusty would do weekly interviews. When he joined in 2020, his first couple interviews, he was way too forthright with the injuries. And then they shut it down. 
and they and then it started turning into these interviews. Uh, I don't know what's going on. They're not telling me. And then it became discomfort. Like they sometimes people forget how to play the game. Jeff Bagwell doesn't know how to play the game. They paid a guy a lot of money, said he's going to play, and he was wrong. It's just it's honestly as simple as that. Like it is. He was factually incorrect that Michael Brantley was going to be ready, mm-hmm. and. It's not just on Bagwell. I question the team doctors, and I think we all should be because, frankly, what's been happening with the Astros over the last two years, James Click last year talked about the return to protocol, the return to play protocol that they were going through, and they needed to reevaluate it. Apparently, that didn't stick with Dana Brown because these guys don't come back and stay healthy, even when they do. I don't know where they went wrong, though, with Dana Brown. Like, you have to ramp Brantley up at some point in time to see how the shoulders are going to react. And they've really taken two different routes to try to get Brantley back, right? Like, they sent him on a rehab assignment the first time. He was playing, like, pretty much every other day. They said he was almost back. In fact, he traveled with the team to Seattle to, like, get ready to play. And they're like, oh, no, inflammation too much. You're not ready. They shut him down for, like, almost a month. And then this time around, it's, okay, we're going to slowly ramp you back up, and that one still doesn't work. I think it's more Brantley's, you know, chronically bad shoulder than I think it is their return just, to play process. I don't just done. Right. But like where else did the Astros go wrong on return to play this year? I don't think that they necessarily have. No, and that's where like you have to go forward like he's not going to ever be here. You have to address this team at the trade deadline and get a new left fielder because Michael Brantley is not going to be back. And if by by a miracle he's back for the playoffs, then great. You have a new left fielder who whoever that is and they're hopefully contributing in a good way. Alvarez is healthy. Altuve is healthy. And we're having to go into a playoff series as the division winner, hopefully, the Astros, and saying, how are they going to get Mauricio Dubon and Michael Brantley at bats? Like, that's the hope. That's the dream. The reality is Michael Brantley is not going to play again this season, most likely. No. And if he does, I'd be stunned. Yeah, so you I, have to move forward like it's over. You have to. You, you, and I think that, look, I think I saw the writing on the wall. Like, if we take... The actual tangible stuff and not the words? Well, I guess it is words. But what has Dana Brown told you that he's been looking for in the trade market? He's been saying he wants a bat. He's basically alluding to the fact of it playing left field. Like, why is Dana Brown looking for a left field bat if he trusts Michael Brantley to come back healthy? You wouldn't be. If you trusted Jordan and Michael Brantley to come back healthy, you wouldn't be looking for a left fielder bat. You wouldn't because you have it right there. So I think that Dana Brown's kind of been hinting, maybe not in a so direct way, maybe maybe subtly, maybe not even intentionally, that they don't really have faith that Michael Brantley can come back at minimum as a, as an everyday starter. Maybe they feel like he can come back and be a pinch. Because I think that there is value for him as a pinch hitter, assuming you he comes back and here we go falling into that trap again because we don't think he's coming back. Like if Martin Maldonado is, is your everyday catcher, because he's probably going to be, we know how Dusty Baker operates when it comes to Martin Maldonado and Yiner Diaz is catching in big games. Michael Brantley would have value coming off a bench late in the game to pinch hit for Martin Maldonado. So like I never really thought that Dana Brown viewed Michael Brantley as an option to be an everyday starter for this team. I think that they've viewed Michael Brantley basically in like the blind Madris role we saw for two days, where it's he's coming in seventh inning against a righty for Martin Maldonado in a spot where you need a base hit. Like I think that that's how they envisioned Michael Brantley even before great. the plateau and the shutdown three to five days. Yeah, that that would have been great. And and Dana Brown obviously is going to have a different perspective of this because he didn't sign Michael Brantley, and he knows more about the reality of what he's dealing with than apparently the people that signed him. So, like, he he knows he can't operate in the way that he's come back. And also, GMs know that they can't operate on hope. 
Like you just you can't yeah. operate on the hope that Michael Brantley is going to come back. It's not Alvarez who is his oblique is going to be fine at some point. Even Altuve is getting the MRI today. Maybe he'll miss a week or two. Maybe he's back tomorrow. Like that would just, be. I mean, week or two feels good right now. I, honestly, I, mean, I would take a week or does. two. Well, I guess because I was thinking because he's going to be completely off for the All Star break. Maybe it's a I'm little surprised. Bit faster. I'm surprised they didn't put him on the injured list. Like no matter what, even if the injury was minor, even if it was like the same discomfort he had the first time he had this little oblique thing, I would have put him on the injured list immediately. They are they are because uh, they can afford to be a little less aggressive. I mean, you know, there's debate about Christian Javier right now if he's going to make another start. Dusty Baker said today before the game that he's unsure. Well, let me tell you the answer to that, Dusty. Don't pitch him. Give him off. Can like, you afford to do that? Five games left? Yeah, Maybe so. It out. Maybe like, you can honestly, you get Belak that last start before the All-Star game, the ninth. Yeah, you could do it. Blanco, Belak, Dubin, like, just give someone else a start because Javier at this point, like, he's been – it's kind of been a disaster. Yeah. There's a, there's a question that you put on our rundown that maybe we'll get to tomorrow that, like, makes me sick to my stomach. That exactly. someone on Astros Twitter – wants to include Christian Javier's contract in one of the worst contracts on the team. <laughs> like, that makes me sick to my stomach because of how good I think Christian Javier is. Yeah. But that's how it's just the fastball's down. It's not disappearing. And, like, I would 100% give him off. And then that's the same with Altuve. Just let him be off for the whole all-star break. If he needs time after, fine. They'll figure it out. Like, they've shown that they can be three games back right now without these guys because – and the thing about Altuve that's also, to me, a little bit different, Jeremy, than Jordan Alvarez is if we're doing midseason awards, MVP is Mauricio Dubon. Oh, I disagree. Like, Mauricio Dubon, to me, like, the way he's carried this team offensively and what he's contributed, like, unexpectedly with Altuve and all these guys out, like, I don't feel bad about Dubon being in the lineup when Altuve's out. Yeah, he he. there's a difference between being able to hold the water while Altuve's out and being the MVP of the team. I'm going to counterpoint that in, in I a think, second. I would, I would say Dubon's MVP right now. And then carrying the offense, I'm also going to counterpoint here in a second. But real quick on the Altuve thing, like, you can manipulate the – remember, it's a 10-day IL, not a 10-game IL. So, like, even if it's incredibly minor and this is a huge scare and it's, like, the same oblique that Jose Altuve had the first time where he missed, like, what was it, three, four games and then came back and looked fine. You could have put Jose Altuve on the injury, and you could still retroactive it, retroactivate it for yesterday because he didn't play yesterday. But he's still like on the active roster today. If you start that ten day IL yesterday, which you can because he didn't play, he could come back for the first game after the All Star break, and he's only missing five games. Yeah. So like, it doesn't make sense to me that they didn't put him on the injured list no matter what. It's and they did it with Jordan though. Like Jordan, they put him on the injured list the next day before an MRI. So it makes me feel some, and this could be just stupid. It could be a huge reach on my part. It makes me feel somewhat confident that maybe Jose Altuve's discomfort isn't as severe as Jordan's discomfort because I feel like they would have immediately put him on the IL no matter what. I, I guess I can't like prove this, but it, it to me it feels like in the past this is common occurrence actually for the Astros. It wasn't with Jordan. It, yeah, it wasn't Jordan's with Jordan. Different. Jordan but was the, the past, very next day. Like we have seen guys miss three, four, five games, yeah, and then they go on the injured list, like, after they just try to bring him back right away. They're also notorious for not ILing guys, period. Like, Pena just missed yeah. four games and, you know, it's halfway to an IL stint, and they're, nah, we're not going to do it. Hey, broken neck. <laughs> broken neck. I don't know what else. Like, <laughs> he he slept funny, and then he missed four games. <laughs> Jordan got sent home. I know. And never got asked about it. Like, well, they, 
I mean, they wanted to ask about it, but they said Jordan was not available in the media. Yeah, it's like, I don't know what Jeremy Jordan Payne got had. sent home from Tampa Bay because of a sore neck and never answered a question about it. And then he was fine. Jordan rule number 21. Don't ask Jordan about his injuries. 713-780-3776, the HRP listener line. It's Joe George in for Blankers. Why is Blankers not here today? 713-780-3776. What was your good? What was your bad? What was your ugly? I got to counterpoint Joe. I got to put him in his place here a little bit. And what has happened to Christian Javier? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 at work, in the gym, and in the bedroom. I've seen the huge difference it's made for you in the gym, at work, and in the bedroom. All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Uh, 9780, they'll have to put Altuve on the IL or won't have a starter Saturday with a 15-day rule for pitchers being sent down. I saw Daniel Lerner tweet something about this, too, and it kind of confused me Yeah. whenever she tweeted this. But it's all coming, uh, it's actually coming full circle here. Uh, now that um, now that he just mentioned that, because I think that you can break that 15-day rule for a pitcher if it's to replace somebody that's hurt. So Daniel Lerner says, Jose Atuve, this is from Dusty Baker. Uh, Jose Atuve is getting an MRI today to evaluate his oblique. Manager Dusty Baker said the results and whether a roster move is necessary for Altuve could influence the Astros rotation, uh, especially whether or not Javier pitches again before the All-Star break. So that 15-day rule, because Ronel Blanco is that 15-day rule because gotcha. he got sent down. But I believe... And Dubin, too, right? Yeah, they sent down Dubin, too. Yeah. I believe, and you guys can fact-check me on this, I believe that that rule can be broken if it is to replace somebody that's been placed on the IL. Now, it is going to have to take another roster move because you can only have 13 pitchers on the roster. So if Jose Altuve is sent down and you're replacing him with one of these 15-day minor league option guys then you're going to have to send down another pitcher, which shouldn't be difficult. I mean, the Astros have a bunch of pitchers like up right now. Seth Martinez could, could be go down. Belak. Belak, exactly. Like, Belak, one more start, send down. So Would you start That Javier? does make sense now. Would you give Javier? So what is wrong with Javier? A you, great question. You talk, like, I think that we know the answer. I, I really do. I, I think, think it's a combination of things. Like, I've seen the information posted out there. Like, the arm slot is a little bit higher versus a little bit closer to the side, which is kind of making his fastball flatter. It doesn't give it the the illusion of being kind of that Invisa rise ball that we've known about. The velo is a little bit down. I, I think that he has pitched a lot of innings in this 12-month period. I think the, the fact that he's a two-pitch mix guy doesn't really help out either because you can just spit on his slider. You're not going to see anything else but a fastball in, in that spot. And I was talking to Ocho on Twitter. You know, maybe he needs to eventually, in, in the season, might not be the time for this, probably more offseason. He probably does need a counter pitch to his fastball that's not his slider, whether it's a change. He'll show a change every now and then. It's not very good. Whether it's a split, whether it's a sinker, to counter with that fastball look, I think would be great for Javier. I think it would do wonders for Javier. But I think that the most, like, the biggest reason that I think he's struggling right now, I do think it's the arm slot. And I think that that arm slot and those fundamentals are actually leading to the lesser velocity. And I, I saw I was reading Chandler Rome's piece where he got quotes from Miller and Murphy and all this stuff, and they pretty much alluded to that. They felt that he was closer Monday against the Rangers than he has been in his last three starts. And I know that he got shelled, 
but I did see some signs like, okay, that looks like Javier, like up in the zone, swing and miss type of stuff. I think he had a strikeout per inning, which he had no strikeouts previously before the Rangers, like very few strikeouts. So I saw some positive signs too. I know he got shelled, but I saw the swing and miss a little bit more with Javier Monday. If the, if Murphy and Miller think that that was a step in the right direction, like I do, I would pitch him again before the All-Star break. Yeah, if they really do believe that, then I, I would tend to agree. But I my only concern is that it's it's also just like how healthy his arm is. Not in terms of the fact that he, he could be injured, but the fact that he's thrown so many innings over the last couple of years and really isn't getting a break. You're having the pitch clock in here. It's just not going well. And I think taking one start off is would be okay to work on some stuff and just to shut him down for one and then bring him back and hopefully he's refreshed and ready to go. He's made his adjustments. If they believe it's more beneficial to make those adjustments in the in a game this week before the All Star break, that's fine too. Yeah, but I just think that my gut would tell me to have him off. But I'm not a pitching coach, so if they say the right decision is to have him pitch then the right decision is to have him pitch. Yeah, maybe it's not the best for sports talk radio and having this hot take, but I'm with you. Like, if, if Murphy and Miller think that they saw positive signs from him on Monday, I know he got shelled, but he had more strikeouts. It looked a little bit closer to old Javier than the previous two starts did. If they're like, okay, that's a positive sign, let's throw him out one more time before the All-Star break to see if he can build off of that. And then if not, you have this break to kind of you know reset, do that. Or if they're like, you know what, we just need to press the hard reset and just have 10 days off for for Christian Javier, which is what it would be. If Javier makes the first start out of the break, and this was kind of scary too, like what's too much rest? Is 10 days without pitching in a big league game a little bit too much rest? Because that's what it would be. He He pitched Monday the 3rd, and he would be pitching on Friday the 14th if he makes the first Astro start out of the All-Star break. So is that gap too long? And I'm like you, you know, maybe not great for hot takes on sports radio. If Murphy and Miller think it's best to hold him back, cool. I'm not going to put up a fight. If they think that he should make another start, cool. I'm not going to put up a fight for that either. Yeah. Um, the only other thing from the weekend for me is as much as we've been pro Yanni Diaz on this on this show, his numbers, just his basic, basic numbers with runners in scoring position is a disaster. He's hitting 128 this season with runners in scoring position. He, he's got to figure that out. It, it seems like it's it's fine because you're getting more fastballs when there's not guys on base. But he seems so incapable right now of hitting anything that's challenging when they're trying to make sure they get you out because there's guys in scoring position where I almost kind of want to back off my stance about how much he should be playing. I won't go that far because even with his lack of production with runners in scoring position, he's still a live bat. Like we saw that whenever he hit the home 100%. run. Like he's still a live bat. And he's actually catching back-to-back games. It might be the first time all year he's caught back-to-back games. I'll have to look into that. Um, the problem with runners in scoring position is valid. It is fair. It's, it's totally reasonable to be frustrated with that. Um, I think it, it has a lot to do with his... Well, he's young. I think it has a lot to do with his discipline at the plate. Like, he, he has zero discipline at the plate. He, he swings at terrible pitches. And there's times, honestly, and it's kind of weird to say this, there's times when he lets middle-middle and he takes it for a strike. I can't remember what game it was, but he took a middle-middle slider, like a hanging slider first pitch because it's like he's going into the box with, I know I'm a free swinger, let me take one to see more pitches in this at bat. So it's not even like he's a free swinger type of deal. It's a plate discipline thing. Like he's swinging at bad pitches, and then he sometimes, not often, but sometimes is taking 
really hittable pitches. So that's something that has to improve for him, no doubt. Like, that's the biggest flaw in his game it's as an offensive like player. Pena, it's kind of like the Pena chasing sliders thing. Yeah, and look, I don't. Yonder Diaz, is nev- he's never been, and he's never going to be a guy that walks a lot. He's got pretty good contact. Like, he's pretty good uh, bat-to-ball. He's got power, obviously. Like, Vladimir Guerrero Sr. was never a high-walk guy. Like, Jose Altuve's done a way better job of it in the last seven years than he did early in his career. He wasn't a high-walk guy. Mauricio Dubon is not a high-walk guy. He swings at everything, too. But he has to get to a point where he's not taking good pitches, good hittable pitches, and then he's spitting on pitches that he has no chance to do anything with. I don't care if he doesn't walk. But he has to stop swinging and missing at, you know, sliders that are two feet out of the strike zone. Look, he does that, that a lot. And that's one of those things where it's if you're picking on a guy who's a rookie and he's still learning the big leagues. But it just would be nice if there was a little more production there. It's for it's, sure. I guess it's nitpicking with him because like he when there's guys not in running scoring. I don't position, think it's nitpicky. He's awesome. I don't think it's nitpicky because I think it's the biggest flaw in his game. And if yeah. he wants to, like I've called him, I think he's going to be an all star someday. If he continues like this with his play discipline, he's not going to be. But if he fixes this even a little, and again, he doesn't need to be a guy who draws walks, but just swing at better pitches because you swing at better pitches, you're going to have a better average, you're going to hit more home runs. That's that's going to have to be the next thing that he does. Real quick, there's no way you said Mauricio Dubon is the MVP on this team over Jordan Alvarez. And the Why not? fact he's carrying the offense. I guess carrying the offense is a bit strong. Very strong. But where would this team be if Mauricio Dubon was the guy he was last year with all the time that Altuve and Alvarez have missed? I think that they would be, they would survive it. Like they've survived Altuve being gone. They've survived Jordan being gone. Like he's he's incredibly part of that. I think he's valuable, but he's not more valuable than Fromber, Valdez, and Jordan Alvarez. I I just think this season, like he's been that impactful on this team that he's. He played. He was above 300 for like quite a while. He played great baseball for Jose Altuve. It's more, I guess, it's more that stretch than as of recent. But I really question like where they'd be without Dubon. Like yeah. he just, he's been, yeah, he's probably been not more than Jordan Alvarez and, <laughs> and Fran Valdez. But maybe I'm nitpicking. He, he has been incredibly valuable. But if if I'm picking one guy that's been the most valuable for the first half of the season, I would vote for Mauricio yeah, Dubon. I'm going, I'm going, you might take my vote away. I'm going Jordan and Fromber over. Over Mauricio Dubon. 713-780-ESPN. Who would be your first half MVP? Why is Blankers not here today? Why is Joe George sitting in his chair? 713-780-3776. The Rockets were busy since the last time we were on the air. Let's let's grade these moves for the Houston Rockets. Did they get it right on Fred Van Vliet? Did they get it right on Dylan Brooks? And one signing that I absolutely love. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Pitter-patter. Well, pitter-patter, let's get at her. 